Good morning. My sweet and loving grandmother who died earlier this year was one of the most spiritual, biblical, believing Christians I've ever known. As I know, I've told all of you many, many times before, she was such a strong, believing, holiness, Pentecostal woman that she was never shy about talking to just about anyone she met about her faith in Jesus Christ. From the time I can remember as a boy, she would find a way to talk about Jesus to someone checking us out in the grocery store or to someone she would run into at the J.C. Penney, which was where we were supposed to be looking for me a new pair of shoes or to the waitress at the local Cracker Barrel, which was the one place that my grandmother really enjoyed going to if she had to eat out. And the older I got, the more embarrassing all of this became to me. But, of course, my teenage embarrassment was never going to stop her. To have the chance to bring even one person to Jesus was far more important to her than what anyone else might think. And as I grew up and got older, I simply learned to accept it. Without question, if there was anyone who ever fit that description so perfectly of what our evangelical brothers and sisters call a prayer warrior, it was my dear Mamaw. And I honestly do not think she ever once doubted her Christian faith, even in the toughest and hardest of times in her personal life, and she definitely had her fair share of those in the 90 years she was on this earth. But now that this great matriarch of my upbringing has gone on to be with God, I think it is safe for me to share with you what I truly believe was one of the toughest battles she ever fought in her life. For even though she'd lost her father when she was 10 years old, and even though she'd lost a daughter and a grandson and had struggled through two rounds of breast cancer that nearly killed her, as spiritual and as Christ-focused as she certainly remained through all of it, in her final years, she became a woman struggling with an addictive attachment to physical things, those that she purchased, that she collected and inherited throughout her life. Truly, if I were being honest with you, my grandmother was very close to being a hoarder at the time she died. Her house wasn't quite as full of some of those homes you see on those television shows about hoarding, but that was really only because my grandmother owned a whole separate building where she placed all of her things, all of her stuff, all of her antiques, and honestly, lots of junk which she collected. And the vast majority of these things weren't even personal items with any kind of stories from her experiences that she had in her life. Most of it was simply things that she'd run across that she was absolutely convinced were worth money and could be sold for profit. And as she became more and more aware that she would not be of this world for much longer, it became of the utmost importance for her to talk about nothing else but where she wanted all this stuff to go when she died. She wanted to make it absolutely clear to all of us who was to get her stuff, and of course anyone who under no uncircum circumstances should ever get any of it. And that's all she would talk about every time she called over the last eight to ten years of her life. It was as if her mind 
was stuck on this topic alone. And she could not release herself from it. And it made it very difficult for all of us who loved her so much and had wonderful memories of the woman that she had been. There honestly came a point where it was hard for any of us to even answer the phone when she called. Because once you answered, she would immediately begin her laundry list of what she had, where she wanted it to go, and why it was more important than anything else you could talk about. And she would start talking and never stop. Now, I've told all of you many of the stories before in sermons I've preached about the abject poverty my grandmother grew up in in those eastern Kentucky mountains of central Appalachia. She truly did live every single day of her childhood in this world with just about nothing and where even food on the table was not certain. When she got older, married my grandfather and became one of the greatest Avon ladies that ever lived in central Appalachia. She worked nonstop to pull herself out of that poverty in order to be able to provide more than she'd ever had for her children, her grandchildren, and her great-grandchildren. And somehow, her and my grandfather made it. Through lots of blue eyeshadow and pink lipstick from Avon you can still find in her home closets, as well as through the hard scrabble coal mining my grandfather did in the Kentucky Hills, they made it. So it was no wonder she truly came to appreciate everything she had and never wanted any of it to go to waste that could be put to good use for her and her family. So she held on to it. That's where her heart was always. So of course, when she reached her later years, all that stuff she'd worked so hard to acquire became of the utmost importance for her. Now, brothers and sisters, this sermon this morning is certainly not about that which I think all of us ourselves will care about one day when we too begin planning for what will be left behind when we die. For all that we have accrued absolutely should be passed on to the next generation for our children and grandchildren to help them and to keep life going and expanding. But there is that moment, I think, when our worry and our concern and our fretting over the things we will leave behind can suddenly begin to overtake us. The physical items that we cling to can start getting in the way of our most important time when we can remember life and give thanks for those memories and when we have that moment to have good quality time with those whom we love. And that is what I began to see intrude into the mind of my amazing prayer warrior grandmother. It was to me as if she were doing battle with Satan himself. For the devil too knows where we come from and the devil knows how to hold something in front of us that will begin to draw our attention away from those things that are important, those things that are meaningful, and those things which will be eternal. When I would call my grandmother and she would begin to talk about this item or that curio or this piece of glasswork she owned, a deep sadness would overtake me. Thankfully, I discovered that if I could just find a quick way to change the subject and ask her to tell me something that she remembered from when she was young, she would start to let all those things go and she'd get back to being more of who she once had been. Of course, what she did not know 
is that what we were really engaging in through her storytelling was nothing short of an exorcism. It was a way to push the devil and the sinful inclinations of pride, envy, gluttony, and greed, sins every single one of us fall victim to at any moment out of her aging, weakening mind. It was the way to get her refocused again on those important memories of family and the love that she carried, not in her mind, but in that place where love and God resides, which is within our hearts. For she did not need to be told that all these physical things would mean nothing to her when she finally passed over into the arms of Jesus. She knew that. But she did need to be reminded something that I believe we all have to be reminded of often in this extremely physical, material-based world. And that is that all the things and the stuff and the antiques and the curios and the smartphones and the jewelry we might leave on this earth someday, whether it's of monetary value or absolutely worth nothing, all of those things themselves will one day pass away also. Nothing in this physical world can ever survive. Nothing that is unless it has something else that is within it, something that is formed by the breath of God breathed into us, something that isn't just physical like a piece of wood or a piece of metal, but something that is what we refer to as the spiritual. For in the end, brothers and sisters, the spiritual will be all that matters. It is only that which is within us and only that which is spiritual that will ever have that chance to go beyond this physical world into that which is eternal. This morning in the Gospel of Mark, a man comes to Jesus and says, Good teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, Sir, you know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud someone, and you should always honor your mom and your dad. Well, when Jesus says this, we can only imagine that the man begins to smile and he proclaims feeling pretty darn good about himself. Teacher, I've kept all that stuff since I was a boy. And the gospel says that Jesus, looking at his face, loves what he sees. But Jesus knows there is one thing this otherwise good man of faith still had to do to be able to reach that spiritual goal of eternal life. Jesus says, my dear friend, you lack but one thing. Go, sell what you own. Give all that money to the poor. If you do that, then you will have treasure in heaven. And after you're free of all those possessions, come and follow me. The gospel says when the man heard these words of Jesus, he was shocked and he went away grieving for he had many possessions. Or... As Eugene Peterson, much-loved paraphrase of the New Testament, the message puts it, when he heard these words of Jesus, the man's face clouded over, for this was the last thing he expected Jesus to say. And so he walked off with a heavy heart because he was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let them go. 
Brothers and sisters, that is what the devil so wants for all of us to hold on tightly to a lot of things and to never be able to let them go, even when we come and stand in front of Jesus. And as much as we'd all like to think this morning that all the scriptures we've heard are about someone that we are not, someone who is wealthy and rich, someone like Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg, that surely those are the people who Jesus is speaking about when he says it's easier for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle than it is for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, whether we have a little or a lot, whether we are rich or we are poor, all of us have in our possession things. They may not be worth anything financially, but they still have the power if we let them to draw our attention dangerously away from that which is eternal, that which is God. We all must one day ask ourselves, how important are our physical things? Could we ourselves ever let them all go? What's really more important, holding on to these things for just one more moment or letting them go to follow after Jesus? What really offers the greatest reward? Just so you know, I have to ask myself those very same questions every single day. And I ask them because I've come to believe that if these earthly material things could cause a great battle with that man who was able to kneel in front of Jesus and for a great Christian prayer warrior woman like my faithful grandmother, then I need to be ready myself for the battle the devil is preparing to use all these things I have to put me in my place. Thanks be to God, this morning Jesus said, for mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. And with that we can all say, get behind me, Satan. Thanks be to God.